Welcome to Inspired Surfers on Wavelength Community Radio in partnership with Jimmy's Iced Coffee. In this episode, Jim is in conversation with Tim Conybear, founder of Waves for Change. Tim benefits from the power of surf on a personal level and realized there was an opportunity to build a charity that used surf therapy to change lives one wave at a time. Tim. Jim. <laughs> How are you, dude? I um, think I'm all right. I'm in a, in a little hamlet in South Africa called Elands Bay, which we were just talking about. Actually, you saw it on the Endless Summer. It's a nice long left-hand point break. So we've been, well, I've been isolating up here with my wife for the last 10 weeks, I think. So watching beautiful waves go unridden because the police are on the beach stopping us from surfing. And um, yeah, it's South Africa. So I think our, from what I've been reading in the press, I think the lockdown here is one of the strictest on the planet. So it's been, uh, I think I'm all right. It's been interesting <laughs> to say the least. So if, if you, if you get, if you get arrested in Elands Bay for surfing, um, this incredible wave, are you actually going to get chucked in prison for a, a few days or a week or a month or something? What's the, what's the deal with that? Uh, depends really. Like I've had, I've had a couple of friends who have actually been arrested in, um, in Durban and Cape town. My wife's brother actually was arrested and he, so he was, he was put in jail for going to the beach. Um, if you get, if you get caught surfing up here, the police are, are quite friendly. It's a very small you know, it's a little hamlet in the middle of nowhere, really, and everyone gets on quite well. So you tend to just be told to stop being an idiot and to go home again. So, um, yeah, up here it's it's not quite as severe, but I think the big cities you've got to be quite careful. Okay, and what, what what's happening in the big cities at the moment? Is it's just it's just getting kind of renegadey? No, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, it's you know the the challenge with South Africa is obviously you know the economy here is is very fragile. So as as um, as lockdown came, it came at the same time that the economy got downgraded to junk status. So a lot of investment left the country, and there's just not a huge amount of money to to implement all the economic measures that we've seen in um, in other parts of the world. So you have got some really vulnerable families that that really do live on the breadline that have lost their income, struggling to feed themselves, and um, you know you got yeah, lot of unemployment coming along very quickly. So. You know, I think the amazing thing with South Africa is that it is a it's a society that's used to looking after itself in a, in a way. So, um, you know, small businesses have been keeping their employees on. There hasn't been many staff being furloughed and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, everyone's trying to look after each other as best they can. But 10 weeks in with people losing, losing work, um, it is starting to get a little bit tense. So, um, yeah, you know. We'll see where we go. We've got announcements coming out every week to hopefully, you know, ease the lockdown and, and get people back to work and get the economy going again. But um, you know, in a country like this, where where a lot of people really do live hand to mouth and you know day to day, week to week, uh, it's yeah, the bigger cities are quite tense. You know, a lot of competition for food, a lot of competition for jobs. Um, yeah, quite interesting to say the least. Wow. And are you are you are you full time in Elands Bay, or have you just come up to this particular spot to endure the lockdown? Um, no, so my, my wife and I found a little house up here a couple of years ago. Um, so we, we, um, live in Cape Town. That's, you know, Cape Town's home. Um, it's been home for 10, 12 years, probably 12 years, I think. And, uh, live in the, in the city bowl and Cape Town city bowl is beautiful. You know, you've got the mountains and it's, it's weird. It's a city, but you really, you can get out into nature very quickly. Um, 
you know, we, we both work quite hard and we even bathe about three, three hours up the coast. So a couple of years ago, we've um, found this small uh, kind of cob house, like straw house on the beach. Um, and we thought, well, let's, yeah, let's, let's cop, you know, team together a little bit of money. We bought it, um, did it up. And yeah, we come up here most weekends. And then as soon as we realized that the country's going on to lockdown, we thought, Let, let's um, get out of the city and get out into the bush. And we came up here. Wow. That sounds, um, I guess, on very good days, that can be absolutely idyllic. And it's quite a, obviously a nice safe haven to get to while all this is going on, right? Yeah, I mean, like in the, the glory days of pre-lockdown, it was it is an amazing place to be. You've got um, like a, it's kind of like the reverse of Jeffrey's Bay. You know, there's this like beautiful left-hand point break just out front. And then um, all the way up the coast, there are just amazing beach breaks and reefs and all kinds of things that are just there. And and no one really lives up here. It's a really small community, um, fishing fishing community. So you can buy fish off, you know, off the fishermen and it's, oh, it's lovely. It's really peaceful, really quiet, um, very safe. Yeah, one of one of my favorite places on the planet. I think it's, it's been a bit odd during lockdown. Um, you know, like I say, the police up here are very friendly, but uh, you know, it's you, even up here, you, we've we've got the impression that that life has changed fairly dramatically for a lot of people. Mm. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's it's sad to hear, but I'm glad you, I'm glad you guys are doing okay. So, um, when when did you when did you move to South Africa then, and and what made you what made you do the move? It's <laughs> a good question. I can't I think it's about 12 years ago. Um I'd been studying languages at Bristol University and I kind of left like everyone does not really knowing what I wanted to do. So I spent a bit of time traveling around um traveling around Europe in a in a van surfing. Uh worked at the Harlan Surf School in Cornwall where I got to know um Will and Lindley uh who who ran a ticket to, uh, a company called Ticket to Ride. Um, so yeah, like in the summers I'd work at Harlan and then I came down to Cape Town initially to work on a vineyard. I, ca- I got myself, um, uh, an internship as a apprentice winemaker. And then whilst I was down in Cape Town, Will and Lindley, um, who I knew really well from Harlan Surf School gave me a call and said, look, we've set up this travel company, uh, called Ticket to Ride. We're doing, we're looking to do kind of global surf travel with South Africa being the first destination. Do you want to manage that for us? Um, I was like, well, what do I need to do? And they said, well, you know, just spend most of your life traveling up and down the coast of South Africa and Mozambique teaching people to surf. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So, uh, yeah, that was 2007. And then I managed all the, yeah, literally spent 2007 till 2011 um, helping tickets to ride get established in South Africa, running surf trips up and down the country, meeting some really cool people. Um, yeah, getting to know the country more and more. And yeah, slowly, I guess it became home. So I think 2008 was roughly when I got down here. That's really cool. I'm kind of an expat at heart. I grew up in Dubai. Um, I was born there in 81 and lived there for 18 years. So, um, oh, wow. it's kind of, I, I, I do, I do miss that kind of, that side of, that side of life. I, I keep saying to my wife, I wish I had another, another life to live after this one so that we can go and live it in parallel somewhere else. Cause I, I, I love where we're living. We're, we're, we're in Bournemouth on the, on the coast and um, it's a beautiful place. And I don't, I don't have any reason yeah. to leave because I love it loads, but there are so many amazing places. Um, and I felt super kind of super lucky when I was growing up as a kid, you know, being able to be you know, shorts and t-shirt in the sea, probably four, four days a week, you know, just that yeah. kind of thing. We don't necessarily get that here, probably in you know in winter especially. But um, I, I do miss that kind of thing. I'd love to try and give my kids that experience. You know, what one day for you know a year or two would be quite fun. 
What was uh, what was Dubai like in in the eighties and eighty one when you were born there? It it was incredible. Um, I've actually just I've I've just gone back onto Facebook, which I which I left for about three years, which was probably one of the big best decisions of my life. Um, but there's a there's an amazing group called uh, like photos of Dubai, the old days, and it, and it is properly the old days around the seventies and eighties and. It was all very much like dirt roads. I mean, even the main Sheikh Zayed Road, which is the the, the the most photographed road, where they've got the you know the, the Burj Khalifa, the tallest tower in the world. You know that that used to have just one one very small skyscraper on there, which is the Dubai Trade Center. And and I, I really miss Dubai back in the day. It kind of reminds me of what Oman is like now. Like Oman's an amazing country. It's absolutely beautiful, and um, they've kind of kept Oman. They've kept the roots, whereas Dubai has just kind of exploded into this, you know, like organized, well, it's not even organized, it's just chaotic, um, glitzy, glassy mess. Uh, and I'm kind of glad that we left when we did because we kind of had the, had the best days. Um, and then you yeah. kind of watched it unfold and I'd, I'd come back or go back to Dubai each kind of Christmas and Easter because my parents were still living out there. And every time you go back, there was a new highway or there was a new spaghetti junction uh, and then and then a new bunch of high rises and you kind of scratch your head thinking well there's there's 50 high rises here and only one road in and out and if that gets filled up the traffic coming out of that thing every morning is going to be vulgar um and so it hasn't really been that well planned i don't think um yeah. but yeah de- definitely glad i was there when when i was and it kind of feels like when i'm you know i'm looking at elands bay on google earth i mean what what an amazing way to waste a load of time is just trawling the coastline on google earth and i mean there's, there's no surf on this on this uh satellite day at elands but um you can kind of have a good look around and it, and it does look quite old school is, is it kind of um it, it looks pretty pretty like dusty and relaxed and you know could could be yeah. it could be untouched since the 70s or 80s is that right yeah i mean there's there's a hotel um like a, a very kind of kind of bric-a-brac hotel um and then and that's it like most of the roads are dirt roads most of the ho- most of the houses have been home built by um by people coming up here to surf there's the old there's a crayfish factory and there's um kind of lots of fishing uh kind of fishing families that, that have made this their home but it's yeah it's it's really really quiet um i mean we're what we're yeah. about three hours up the coast from Cape Town, um, kind of halfway between Cape Town and Namibia. There's not, yeah, there's not much here. The the main road up here was dirt until a couple of years ago that that got tarred over. Um, but it's it's really quiet, yeah. and it's oh, I love it. You know the the point up here can get a bit busy on the weekends, but if you if you just go for a walk up the beach, drive up the beach, you're surfing world class waves completely by yourself. I've I've had more days up here where I've looked for someone to surf with than, than try to avoid, avoid crowds. It's a, it's a weird yeah. yeah. Well, what is, uh, what is what's, what, what's your version of busy? Um, cause like my, our version of busy is Bournemouth pier with probably about, it's gotta be a hundred, 120 people oh, wow. in the water. Is that, is that kind of, yeah. <laughs> cause some, some people's version of busy. I mean, I, we went to Tasmania a few years ago and, uh, we pulled up at this, this this uh this break and our buddy jumped on the roof of his car just to like have a little look over the sand dune and he was just expletive and was just like there's no in way we're going out here this is it's rammed and i and i hopped on the roof of the car and looked out and there's like three guys out and you're like that's that's um that's 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 great this is amazing but yeah i mean the, the crowds up here what the point 
I guess on a busy weekend, if you see the swell coming in from a long time away, you might get 30 or 40 people surfing the point, um, but it's a long wave. Uh, and you can paddle further up and around and you'll surf by yourself. And then the beaches, yeah. I mean, yeah, like two, three people, I guess. Um, but I mean, there's there are so many surf spots along this little piece of coastline that you can surf you can surf on your own if you want to um, easily. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a little piece of paradise. It's, yeah, yeah, I, I love it. The water's quite cold. It gets quite windy. Um, some of the waves are pretty big and they break quite far out to sea and it, it can be a bit spooky, but it's once you get used to it and it took me a while to get used to it because I'm not a brave, I'm not a brave surfer, but once you get used to it, um, oh, it's paradise. It's epic. That's mega. You, I'm a big um, off-roading kind of fan. Are you, are you allowed to drive on the beach there? Um, no, I don't think so. But I mean, you, the roads are all dust, you know, and dirt roads just behind the beach anyway. So you do feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and have you been up to Namib- to uh, Namibia to the to the to the skeleton coast bit there? Yeah, I haven't I haven't surfed up there yet. Um, but I've done. Uh, there's there's like uh, there's the Orange River, which is the border, and you can do uh, kayaking trips down that. So I went up there with my wife a while ago. We spent um, spent about a week in a kayak, just going down the river, sleeping on the on the beds. Um, yeah, it's wicked, really cool. And it's it's so hot, you don't even need anything. You go up there with shorts and a t shirt, and you just cruise down the river to the coast. Um, yeah, but no, I love it. But the well, a couple of friends of mine have surfed up there, and they're I mean, again, there's just a million waves. There's um, the famous one that uh, um, Donkey Bay, and then around that, apparently, there's stacks of other waves. So yeah. I'll go up there at some point. Um, to be honest, there's so much just around here that there's there's less need to travel than than I feel at the minute. I feel a bit spoiled. Oh man, that's great. I, I feel like I've just drifted off into a nice little. Um, yeah, that was that was a nice little catch up there. I quite <laughs> I quite like that considering I've uh, we've never spoken to you before and you've you just you've just transported me away to a quite a, a beautiful place in my brain. So thank you for that's that. Right. Um, and just. Just kind of coming back into you know the whole, whole reason for this podcast is um, is this inspiring surfers series. So can you um, can you give us a little uh, kind of rundown on what you do with Waves for Change? Yeah, it's um, I mean I suppose as simply as possible, it's a mental health organisation. So we work with children with um, with kind of acute social or emotional challenges. They might be kids, uh, young people getting in. In trouble with the law uh, in South Africa, you know, in trouble with gangs. Uh, we work a lot as well um, with children with different abilities. And the idea is that we use surfing to build confidence, uh, but we also use the beach as a way to teach skills to cope with stress. Um, so we, we work with hospitals, we work with schools, social services, the police, all along the coast of South Africa. Uh, and we train surf mentors from all the different townships. So what we've got is a network of about 65 trained surf mentors. They work at seven different safe sites along the coast and they get about 2000 children into the water every week. Um, yeah. And it's something that initially started voluntarily. Um, you know, me just taking kids surfing when I had a bit of time spare, um, we formalized it with ticket to ride and we built it into the surf trips that we did. And then over the last few years, we've done lots of research and slowly kind of grown what we call surf therapy, I guess, all across the, the coast of South Africa, uh, and then increasingly in the last two years, kind of um, started a global movement as well. So it's been um, it's been really fun, you know. That I think the health benefits of the sea, I think we all know and we all realise. And then being able to kind of solve some of the bigger 
social challenges that children, especially in Africa, face by um, you know, building in social support structures around the beach has been has been really cool. That's a lot of what we do, really. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, in, in, in its essence, it's surf therapy, it's mental health, um, mostly based you know across Africa. That, that I mean, just that's um, it means incredible what you're doing, and hats off and, and well done. Um, I mean, you're, you're talking about a thousand kids a week. Is that is that um, you're going to have your kind of repeat people for that, aren't you? That's not going to be a thousand fresh, or will it be like eight hundred repeats and two hundred fresh? How does that work? Yes, yeah, good question. So it's um, so uh, they're courses that we run, um, and the idea is that. You know, when I first started taking kids surfing in the, in the early days, you know, what, this is like 2010, 2011, uh, what we'd do with Tickets Ride is we'd do surf trips down to the beach and, you know, we'd all go for a surf and I'd start talking to kids about why they came and, you know, that the main reason that children were coming surfing, obviously surfing in South Africa has, uh, you know, it was affected by apartheid, like, like a lot of the, um, kind of a lot of the infrastructure here so the idea that you could go to the beach and have a surf you know go to a place that your parents couldn't was really attractive and that that's kind of what I thought was going on but really what was happening was this idea of of being able to go and have a conversation with someone that might be able to offer you some emotional support so the uh, you know did some more research into what it means to be a child growing up in South Africa and realized that you, you know, kids here go through an enormous amount of stress and trauma on a, on a weekly, if not annual basis. And they don't have the outlets that we have in the UK. You know, there aren't community support officers. There aren't psychologists in schools and things like that. Um, you know, kids are very much isolated. So what we wanted to do was create some kind of course that kids could um, could do uh, over an annual basis. So we developed a one-year surf therapy course that was built into the school curriculum. So if you are in a school for children with different learning abilities, you can do that as part of your school day. If you're Amazing. in trouble with the law or if you are, um, you know, if you've been identified by a teacher as, as, as having like a specific social emotional challenge, you get referred into the program after school and it's a one year course. So yeah, it, we have about, it's 1,600 kids that go through the annual courses at the moment. You have, as you would go and see a counselor, uh, you know, once a week, you just go to your surf therapy session. Um, so there'll be a taxi that will pick you up outside your school. You'll get bus down to your nearest beach where we ha- will have a center, um, typically housed in like a municipal building that the government gives us access to. The center is staffed by um, surf coaches from the community that you're from. So these tend to be the first surfers ever to come out of South African township surf coaches. And what they do then is they combine surfing with what we call a behavior activation curriculum it teaches you behaviors to cope with stress so if you were to go to see a counselor they'll teach you breathing activities or strength recognition activities you know things that help you identify how you feel and then cope with that feeling so that's what we teach at the beach and if you get referred into the program you do one session a week for a year um usually on a weekday and then once you've done a year's worth a year's worth of surf therapy with us you join a surf club and the clubs operate on weekends uh, and they're just open access so any graduate of a surf therapy course can come down to the beach on the weekend, see all their friends, see the coaches. Uh, and it means that we can support kids, you know, right from age 11 when the first referrals happen all the way up to, you know, 18 when a lot of them then leave school uh, and, and go onwards. And a lot of those kids actually come back and, and manage the program. So most of our coaches have actually gone through the system these days. So it's it's been really cool. You know, we, I guess those early sessions, we realized that um, we need to create a support structure that can help children grow. Um 
and feel that they're connected to people that care about them. You know, we, we didn't want to just run these once off programs and, and give people an experience of feeling good and then take that away from them. So yeah, we, we've built this pathway over time. Um, yeah, and we have, we, we have just under 2000 kids going through it at the moment. So it's, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's quite comprehensive and it, um, it's taken a lot of time to build. Uh, we've had plenty of failures along the way and, and lots of little successes, but, um, yeah, it's uh, it's slowly getting adopted into the school system here, the health system here. Hospitals have started to refer kids down as well, and it's been it's been a huge amount of fun. It's 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 so much more than cool. It's it's like it's it's utterly incredible what you've done, man. Um, I mean, the, just what you're saying. I've I've just had to write down a thousand things because there's a, there's a billion and one questions here. Um, straight off the bat, I guess just one of your recent points that you just made is that. Um, the the young people who go through this program and then they end up in they come into the surf club and then they become coaches that's that's um that's complete testament to to the work that you guys are putting in and how obviously how well it works for these folks because they obviously want to they they've been through the program they felt like they've been given the help that they've needed and now they I guess that they're they're passing it on to to the next generation right yeah yeah absolutely i think the I guess the thing that that I love about it is that my, you know, that the reason I wanted to just get kids to the beach in the first place was when I first came to South Africa, um, you realize that the beach isn't, you know, the country's made huge strides since, since 94. Um, but you know, that the, there's still big challenges to get over. And, and one of them for me was that the beaches were, you know, they were integrating, but they weren't integrated spaces. And you definitely didn't have a sense of, of an African surf culture, uh, whatever surf culture existed, you had to assimilate into as, as a, you know, as a new surf. So you, you, know, you weren't really allowed to express yourself as a, as a young you know, African surfer. So we wanted to create something new. And what I love about what's happening with Waves for Change is that, um, you know, that the, these 2000 kids that are getting into the water each week, they're being taught by probably the first full generation of young African surfers who have put their, their own spin on what it means to be a surfer in this country. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a totally different look and feel to how, surfing was or how i perceived surfing to be it's it's got this really authentic amazing kind of vibe to it and it's um you know that you know that you, you have like what feels to be a genuine surf culture you know that there's no longer this need to assimilate into what surf culture might have been before something new has happened yeah um, i guess you know, i guess when you first think about it it's, it's very much like a a westernized american kind of California dreaming kind of vibe. Whereas if yeah. you can establish yeah. your own kind of thing, um, and that's demonstrated by the locals doing it, then 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 you end up doing have having your own culture. And, and there's there's nothing better than belonging to a, a culture that's been kind of naturally created by you and 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 all these dudes around you. That's really exciting. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And I think for me, that's the so that's the that's the part I love the most about it, is that. Like being able to express yourself is so important. And I think under apartheid, one of the things that, that got ripped away from so many people was the ability just to express themselves. And now that's happening on the beaches and it's been led by, you know, the very people that we wanted to, to empower in the first place. So no, it's, it's awesome. And it's, it's growing a life of its own and away it goes. And yeah, it's been really fun to watch. How, how do you, how do you go into a school and go, Oh, by the way, um, this is basically the best thing um, for a, lo- a lot of these kids and you need to, make it part of your program i mean that 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 seemed that sounds like quite a like quite a big hurdle to get over how, how did you do that um so i, I guess like anything we, we started really small so i mean it, the the whole program started with me driving into 
uh, a community called Matakumalele, um, where, you know, with, with Willen and Ian Tickets Ride, um, we got to know, got to know a, a soccer coach there called Thomas Mtandazo. And he, um, with him, we started these first, you know, surfing sessions. Uh, and how do we get involved with the school? I guess, you know, we, we got to know the kids that came surfing with us. And then uh, with them, we used to go and do home visits and we'd go to the schools and speak to the teachers. And the teachers, you know, were interested. They said, what are you guys doing? Because there seems to be a change in the way that these kids behave at school. Parents said, look, they seem to be more helpful at home. What What is it that you guys are doing? Um, so, you know, I think it, the interest from the school initially was that we're seeing a change in the way that these people are behaving, like what's going on and how do we get more people into the system? And obviously building a relationship with one school helped us understand how schools here function. Um, you know, they're massively, you know, if you're a teacher here, you're, you really are on the front line. You know, you're, you're tasked with educating a child, but really what happens is you, you're tasked with looking after all of the different social and emotional needs that, uh, that a child might present um, in, a, in a South African township. So they, they're so, they just have so much on their plates. When you come into a school and you offer them a solution, usually they bite your hand off. So teachers, you know, we, we were able to, present the course quite nicely to them that like we said look it is a surfing program but we're looking to help you you know support the social emotional needs of kids that are, are really struggling in your system um refer them to us you know these are typically kids that misbehave in class or or worse and we, we went to the teacher and said these are the kids that we want to work with you know refer them to us and we'll be your partner and and you know and they they love that offer so yeah yeah, because I guess I guess they're not <clears throat> necessarily just teachers. The teachers will have to become therapists. I mean, I, I watched uh, your incredible TED talk that you did, um, and it's and you, and you were stating that kids experience trauma up to eight times a year, um, and that that trauma comes in fairly heavy doses. Yeah. This isn't just you know I've, I've bust my toe open um, or I've, I feel stressed about not getting a grade in maths. This is actually quite like pretty hectic stuff so um teachers are going to have to be dealing with that then they never know what the kid's going to come into school thinking yeah. or how they're feeling or what's happened to them the night before so i guess that does make a lot of sense you coming in and offering hey look let's just take a little bit of um you know a, a bit of stress off your shoulders and 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 bring these kids back feeling you know a, a, lot, a lot different and hopefully a lot happier yeah, I mean, I can put it into context a little bit, actually. It might make sense to you because, um, you know, the context here, I was shocked, you know, when I first got to know what it what it's like to be a kid and a teacher. You know, in, in Massa Pumalele, for example, where we started, it's a community of about 60,000 um, people. There's one primary school. Uh, there are two social workers for the entire community. Um, there's one high school. There's no police. There's no, um, there's no firemen. You know, there's no, there's no real services there. And the kids at home are going through heavy, heavy trauma. You know, there's, from a community point of view, there's quite a lot of violence. So, you know, we asked initially questions around, you know, do you experience physical violence? What's it like? And, and typically what we'd see is children seeing people being shot, being stabbed, um, uh, drug use and drug abuse in the home, physical abuse at home and on a, a regular basis. So this isn't, you know, it, it does happen around the world, but tends to be fairly exceptional circumstances. It will happen not regularly and these kids are seeing it on a weekly you know bi-weekly basis so you get this um toxic build-up of stress basically and it, it changes the way that their bodies function 
and there's nobody helping the teachers to deal with this. The teachers are the first people to encounter it and, and usually are the only people that can support and they don't really have referral options. So what we said to them is, look, we, we appreciate everything that you do for your communities. We understand how much stress you're under. We want to be a referral partner for you. Uh, we don't want to be working with the kids that cause you no problems because, you know, you can handle these guys. The ones that need the help are the ones that come into school causing you the issues you know, we'll, we'll work with you to help these kids. Um, and as soon as we said that the teachers, you know, they, they loved it. You know, the, the issues that schools here have with, you know, gang violence, integrating the schools, gang recruitment within schools, um, you know, kids using substances in the playground just to try and cope with what they're going through. It's, it's really shocking. Um, and I said, look, if, if there's a way that we can support you in supporting these kids, just let us know. Um, so surfing is, such a great way to do that because it's cool you know if you're if you're in a school playground and someone says hey let's go down to the beach and go for a surf you could be in a gang and you could be thinking you're too cool for this but as soon as someone says come to the beach anyone's going to come with you uh, and that was the way that we managed to engage and um and it has you know it's it's been it's been a learning process i think we've now i think we've got about 50 probably about 45 schools i think that refer to us across the country now so you know that one school that we started with has, has grown and grown and grown um, the Department of Education in South Africa has recognized the power of what we do, and it's allowed us now to incorporate our services into the school curriculum for kids on the autism spectrum, for example. So it's been it's been well received, but it's taken us, what, seven years, I think. Um, slow process, but um, yeah, but like I said, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It, it feel, that, that doesn't actually feel like it's too long. I mean, something like that, I'd, I'd kind of put a stamp on in my head. I don't know why, but of like, you know, 12 to 15 years of trying to get something like that. But to be able to wrap up 50, uh, sorry, uh, 45 schools into into such an, a well-established program in, in seven years, I think is a, is a really quick amount of time considering, you know, is, is, is day one for you um, turning up in your uh, golf and picking up a few kids from the side of the road? Is that, is that, would, would that, would you class that as day one? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that, that, that's a very, very quick, quick amount of time. Um, I think that that's incredible. Um, the, how, how do you, how do you go about measuring um, kind of, not success as it were, but change in, in people. I mean, how do you, I mean, positivity, for example, is, is one of the greatest things on the planet, but it's very hard to measure. So yeah. how do you, how do you go about doing that um, using science or a positivity scale or something? I, I don't, I don't know. How do you do it? Yeah. There's, so there's a few ways to do it. Um, we, we use uh, wellbeing scales. Um, okay. So you can use like the, the World Health Organization has one, the Edinburgh, uh, Warwick, Warwick University has one, Edinburgh University has one, and it tracks very similar metrics to what you are talking about, actually. Um, a sense of connection to other people, feelings of optimism and hope in the future. So all, you know, if you are in a kind of a negative mind space, if, if you, and, and this is typically what happens, you know, if you go through a traumatic event, uh, the first thing that tends to happen is your self-worth um, goes down your hope in the future goes down, your sense of connection to other people goes down, uh, and that changes the way that you potentially learn and behave. You know, there's typical kind of signs and symptoms. So what we try and do through the programs is we track how you perceive that, you know, changes in the way that you perceive the future, changes in the way that you perceive yourself uh, fitting into society, interacting with other people, um, behavior traits such as empathy we track. Um, and we do that over a one year basis. And then what we do alongside that, just to see if, if the data that we get back from these surveys 
matches any kind of behavioral shifts that we might see. We interview parents, we interview teachers, um, and we see how you know, improved sense of optimism might lead to improved attention at school, for example. So we mm. do track that. Um, and then what we've increasingly started to do as well is just look at other ways that we can track um, stress. So we've started looking at physiological measures, the way that your body actually functions. Um, so we've, we've used a measure called heart rate variability, which is basically your, the ability of your body to, to self-soothe in a, in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen really positive effects there. That as, as kids go to the beach, as they do these breathing activities, takes about eight weeks for there to be a significant shift. But after eight weeks, the way that their bodies actually function changes as well. So there's a, a physiological difference to the way that their bodies are, are actually working, which is, um, which is really cool. Because, you know, if, you're, if you can change the way your body works and the way that you feel about yourself and the way you feel that you fit into society all by going to the beach, you've got quite powerful evidence that, that this is an intervention that, that works. And so will you, will you actually be kind of um, physically sticking diodes and is that the right word stuff stuff, <laughs> stuff to people to like just check out heart rates and all that kind of stuff is that how that works or, or have i gone way down the wrong path there uh quite far down the path but we <laughs> <laughs> we so you've got to you, i mean bearing in mind we're working with with uh with young people and children our goal is to has always been um to support their their mental health so whatever we do from a research perspective is, is as non-invasive as possible yeah, while we put something on your cranium and yeah, yeah. you're not going to be doing that. No, no, not at all. Uh, so <laughs> the, the heart rate measure is really simple. You just use a little uh, clip um, similar to what you might get in a hospital or something like that. You can put it onto um, onto a, on your index finger or you can put it onto your earlobe. Um, yeah. And it just takes a, a basic heart rate measure. But um, yeah, so we've used that uh, in the last year. And then the surveys are just, you know, it's just a, a tick, a tick box survey. Um, yeah, but yeah, I guess, I guess the reason for it is the, the families and the people that come down to the beach, they are, they're living on or if not below the breadline. Um, so they don't have, you know, in, in a country where there is national health, there are national health services, but they're not fantastic. Uh, and you know, the healthcare is privatized and so most of these families don't have health insurance. So the idea, the idea of preventative healthcare doesn't really exist uh and if you're one of these families you definitely can't pay for anything like waves for change so to, to resource what we do we need to write grants we need to do fundraising and the research component it helps us tap into some of the bigger international you know foundations that now support us so you know it, it does help us understand what the program does how it's changed how we can improve the program as well um and it, it also helps us do a bit of lobbying as well you know i think there's a bigger move towards using physical activity to promote mental health i think yeah i think the more policymakers understand that being outside is good for you you know creating space in a working day to go and you know exercise getting sport into the after school curricula that kind of stuff it, it does help and we contribute to our research in, in those sectors as well but um you know having this evidence base it does help us raise raise the funds to make sure that we can get all these kids in the water um, yeah yeah so um tim i hope you don't mind me asking about this but you did you you spoke about it on uh on your on your tedx talk you had um you you kind of you you hit a wall um emotionally i as i as i would put it um yeah and you had um and, and your therapist kind of prescribed you um running and surfing four times a week yeah so i guess that was that was that kind of that that's what helped you kind of steer uh, ways for change from your your own experience yeah, it's a co yeah, it's a coping strategy, and I, I guess starting 
ways for change. It was really stressful. It's hard to get it up and running. It's I'd do it again. I mean, if if, if someone said, "Would you go back to the beginning and do it again?" I'd say absolutely because it's been lots of fun. And I guess um, it's like any small business. I mean, it must be like getting Jimmy's Coffee going, and you know, at, at the head of it, and there are times when it gets really stressful. I just had lots and lots of um, things come together at at the wrong time, and um, I just got really stressed. And the way that I was coping with stress was uh, was not good. Um, and oh, we can talk about that in a bit if you want to. But the there are, there are typical ways that people cope with stress, and, and the way I was doing it was it was basically self harming. Essentially, it's it's, a, it's quite difficult to talk about, but um, yeah. you get these kind of you get in this kind of vortex of really negative emotions and you try and break that. Um, and you can do that by inflicting pain. It, it breaks the, that kind of cycle of, um, of thoughts. And a, another way that you can do that is just going out and exercising. Uh, and I find like, if I get stressed now and I go for a run, um, you know, I'll go for a 5k, 10k trail run or something like that. It, it breaks the thought patterns and I actually start finding solutions. Same thing when I go surfing, yeah, I'm super stressed. You know, I just I just wouldn't do it. And I'd sit and I'd stew on all these things, and you just get into this really negative thought pattern that you can't break, and you end up getting into quite a, a dark space to try and break it. Um, yeah, and for me, it was really important to to number one seek help because I think it's really weird. You know, when you're in that space, you're like, this is an odd thing to be doing to myself. Why am I doing this? And then you go and see, you speak to someone about it and they say, no, like it's it's a classic coping mechanism. Uh, it happens across hundreds of thousands of people there's nothing um strange about it you know it's, it's just a typical mm. coping coping strategy that people employ and there are other ways around it so you know physical exercise for me was um yeah re- really really helps that's that's really interesting and um and thank you for sharing that with us because it's not a, it's not an easy thing to be sharing at all um i mean I, I had a kind of i don't know how similar it was but i had a kind of some crazy anxiety attack about two Oh, maybe three, nearly three years ago now, um, and it was just because I, I wasn't able to cope with um, our business growing and me pretending to be a managing director when I'm actually just a creator. Um, and I kind of like like coming up with ideas, but you give me a team to manage. I'm not actually any good at managing because KPIs and targets are just not my thing, um, and I can't get you know the finance team to talk to the marketing team, talk about budgets. I just want to go and have fun. And and that's kind of the whole premise behind Jimmy's was just to create a, like a sick iced coffee company, but yeah. running it is just, is just not down to me. And I, and um, I was meant to be going out one evening um, for my cousin's 40th birthday party. And I basically just hit this mental wall and I, I basically sat on the end of my bed and I couldn't, I, I actually couldn't physically move because um, yeah. I'd had this kind of over, overwhelming sensation and I couldn't really describe it but I remember just saying to my um my wife I was just like so if I can't can't go out tonight we'd had the babysitters were upstairs bathing the kids and my wife was just like sorry you guys need to go home because Jim's not even going out anymore um and yeah from, from that day I I you know I don't drink a lot of beer um but just stopped drinking beer um started running and started doing hot yoga and those things over the course of five months, which is how which, which is how long it took me to get out of work, or yeah. how long I was out of work for, um, really started started helping. And I, and I know that that kind of feeling after doing a five k or a ten k or or even you know specifically surfing, um, it does it does help because it's only half an hour or an hour, and that's all you need to be able to just kind of have your little daily or weekly reset and um, yeah. and, and clear your head. It's amazing. It is, isn't it? I, I think it, and so I, I think. So many people experience what 
what you've been talking about, what, what I've been talking about. And it, I think the more evidence that gets out there, the better. You know, it's um, just physical activity does fun, you know amazing things for your body. I think that's like the evolutionary prerogative of our bodies is to be active, uh, and we're not. We're less and less active, and we're more and more stressed. And it's just it's, the paradigm's not right. Um, and no. you, very simple things like like you said, going for a run, doing some hot yoga, going surfing. You know, meeting people um, to, to help cope with some of that um yeah and it's yeah. really powerful and it, the, the amazing thing is it is actually quite simple yeah and that goes back to the simplicity of of something again that you uh, that you said in your in your talk was to you know you go you go to waves of change to, to have a surf and have a conversation um and how beautifully simple um yeah. that is because it's not all about getting gnarly and then just leaving it's actually about you know, if you want to get in the water, you can, but if you don't want to, you don't have to, but if you want to have a chat with someone, then you can do that too. And that's opening it up like that probably makes it a lot more accessible for people because it can be quite daunting. I'd imagine, um, you know, to telling someone who's never surfed before, like, right, you're going to go surfing. You can be like, well, actually, I don't know how keen I am on doing that, but I'll, I'll come to the beach and put my toes in the sand and maybe have a, have a chat to my close buddy. And then, you know, as the weeks go on, you kind of, unlock don't you and they can end up getting into the water and and really experiencing it yeah i mean and if you bear in mind like a lot of the kids and a lot of the coaches even um when they first come to waves potential can't swim uh makes surfing even more daunting so <laughs> you know, you've got you've got kids and coaches at the same time learning how to swim together and learning how to float together it's it's quite interesting but it's that shared experience of doing something difficult together that accelerates yeah. the bond um, yeah. and we don't put any emphasis on surfing it's it's the, the idea of the beach is that it's it's a novel interesting fun place to be you know the water in itself it's very um kind of emotive you know you can really feel it and it does elicit quite powerful emotions people get scared and then they team up together and they overcome their fear and you get this huge kind of bonding moment now that's why we use it that's that's why we think the sea is kind of quite unique um, but yeah, you know, the, like trying to, trying to de-emphasize the competitive part of surfing, I think, especially when you talk about health promotion, I think this goes across all sports. If you take the competitive edge out, it becomes a really powerful social experience. And if you've got, the, if you've got coaches that recognize that, and that's kind of what, what ways for change is based on, you know, we just train these amazing caring coaches. If you've got a coach that understands that it's, it's really about the social aspect as opposed to the competitive aspect, then, then sport and physical activity, it's, it's an amazing tool. Mm. you must that aside you must have some pretty um like world-class little rippers coming out of your program there's actually there's one or two especially in the surf clubs actually like kids have been in the surf club for a while i, I don't think any of them really rip they just the, the surfing style is so different um and to be honest a lot of the beaches where we run <laughs> where we run programs they're not they're not good surf beaches um you know what we were quite conscious when we set it up that we don't you know, surfing is quite territorial and and you want to make sure that the environment that we're creating is very positive. So we, we purposely sort out yeah. beaches that weren't busy. Um, and typically the waves aren't that great. So you do get some quite, some quite niche surfing techniques, but, um, I reckon, uh, yeah, <laughs> you got some world champions. I don't know if there'd be world surfing champions, but there's definitely some kind of application for the surfing. It's, it's cool. It's got a real kind of flow and kind of dance to it. It's, it's epic. Uh, but yeah, we got. Um, I, guess, I guess it's judged on probably how big their smile is. Where you know when they're when they're when they're riding in. Yeah, I mean that's oh, the, the thing I love most is that the if you go surfing at a waves for change site, it's all about surfing together. So you know everyone takes off in the same wave. It's kind of like I don't know what 
surfing in the old like 60s must have been like where it really was a communal experience and there's um everyone's yeah. going together it's it's really really fun it's yeah it, it is different i mean i guess that's kind of what i was saying at the beginning is that we consciously didn't create any type of culture that um or we didn't root it in any type of exist pre-existing surf culture we just said look it's you guys just need to create your own thing here um and it is mm. different. um yeah it's quite fun we've had like some people do come and surf at some of the sites and they're like is this what's going on there's like 60 people all the same way then it's chaos. <laughs> how, do, how do you um how do you keep your kind of emotional how do you keep your your emotions intact for stuff like this because I've, I've done um previously done some work with the wave project uh in the uk and yeah um look kind of was assigned to uh, a real cool kid um and i found it you know i found it both very rewarding but also very challenging understanding you know the problems that some of the the kids on this course were going through um and then how you then you kind of how you deal with that emotion where, uh, but you kind of deal with it at the same time as doing what you're doing, because you're obviously doing a good thing to help them out. Um, whilst also feeling not sad for them, but you kind of, you just, you, you do have that feeling for them. Um, yeah. and you go home and you, you kind of have this mixed emotion of you to have no idea what these guys are going through. Um, but also I've just had the, the sickest morning with, with, with 20, um, young people all, all messing around in the surf. It's kind of like, a, it's a bittersweet kind of, kind of feeling so how do you how do you look after yourself with with all this it's a good question actually because i know, like i mean one of the big big challenges here is um you know we know that the kids go back to really 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 challenging environments and um and there's not much we can really do to change that uh i mean the one thing we do give them is, is strategies to cope within the environment um all the coaches that teach them live in the same street so they've got someone to go and speak to but um you know there is a limit to how how far we can intervene and that that can be quite difficult i guess and how we cope with it we, we we do have psychologists on staff that we can speak to and then every single site that we run has a what we call a debrief psychologist that debriefs the team as well so all the coaches get a weekly debrief so they can explore like how they're coping with it. Um, yeah, I, I guess trying to make the office environment as safe as we can as well. So we do speak to each other a lot. Um, and then around the office, we've got a support team of, of seven people. So uh, we have a, a small office in a, a beach called Musenberg and we call it like a support hub. And what we do is we provide the support to all the different site managers and, and program managers and stuff. So yeah, but, you know, we, I guess we provide as much emotional support to each other as we can. Um, well, that's, that's so important because if you guys if you guys are at the top um you, you it's it's you, you guys have got to be just as mentally healthy as all the people that you're looking after because unless you're you've got stability at the top then it makes for a very challenging time it does yeah and i think at the top it's it's hard isn't it i guess that's the irony at the top of all these different organizations and, and probably lots of similar organizations that focus on mental health the people at the top do take a lot of strain I think we've got good systems through the organization to make sure that everyone has someone to talk to. Um, I guess the, the higher up you go, the, the more lonely it can become. So, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate as well. I'm kind of, my wife's a huge support. Um, I've got a really nice team of directors that, that, that work alongside me as well. Robin, Paul and Matt, um, you know, and Robin, who is our South African director, was a former trauma nurse. So we, we've got really experienced people in, in the right positions. And we, we do try and support each other as much as we can. 
Um, and South Africa, it's it's a it's a really uncompromising society here. You know, you there's not there aren't many places to hide. Um, so you know, being able to talk openly to people when you're not feeling great is important because um, mm. quite often you know, it is your friends that provide you that emotional support here. And is is South Africa home now for for you? Are you are, it, when you when you look at your future, or you try and take a peep around the curtain as to what's going to unfold with you? Are you this is it? You're South Africa through and through now for the rest of your days. <laughs> Not sure. I miss home. I like. I really do. Like I, I love. You know, I love the UK. I think a lot of people leave the UK and then they they talk. You know, that it's a, you know they, they say this and that about it, but um, no, for me, like home is still is still the UK, and I do miss it. Um, you know, my family's there, brothers are, are there, all my friends. And I think there's a really unique culture. You know, people have a way of being together there that I do miss. So yeah, I hope hope to come back at some point. I guess you know what we've done with Ways for Change is we the South African organisation is now run and staffed by South Africans, so it's cool. So it means if I were to leave or when I when I leave. The South African work continues, and then what I've been doing in the last um, eighteen months is is setting up a kind of a global part of Ways for Change. So we've we've got this program called the Wave Alliance, and we've open sourced everything that we know, all of our program materials and everything. It's on our website. And what happens Amazing. is you can download what we call a starter kit, uh, and if you download it and you start using it, you can apply to us for um, surfboards and wetsuits and training. And what we've been doing, with, mainly with a focus on um, on Africa, is we've been helping surf schools, youth organisations, um, government institutions to open their own iterations of a surf therapy program. Um, so that's been really fun, and and that's something that I could I could do. I, I think probably from any anywhere in the world. And the, and the goal with that is really to. I, I think there's a gap in in, in organisations that are helping or supporting the humanitarian kind of health side that surfing brings. I think there's lots of good work being done around the environmental impact of surfing and, and offsetting that. Um, you know, you've got, you got people like Surfers Against Sewage who do, who do fantastic work. Um, in terms of getting people into the water, you know, guys like Joe and the Wave Project do amazing work in the UK, and I definitely recommend anyone listening to this to check them out. Um, but I do think that, that there is a gap there that, that we could serve, you know, helping more surf schools, more nonprofits, get more people into the water. That's kind of what, what the Wave Alliance is about and what we're moving towards. So that could be something I could do from outside of South Africa. I guess, I, we'll, yeah, we'll see. Um, I miss home. Like, I really do love the UK. I think it's a, a really special place. And I hope to get back there at some point. Whereabouts is, is home in the UK for you? Surfing capital, Oxford, right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think. I think it's got the honour of being the town that is the most disconnected from any ocean. I think it's the furthest. I think it's furthest point from any coastline in the UK. Um, so it's a bit odd to be a surfer coming from there. Yeah, my my wife's from Leicester, and I think there's some kind of um, stone that you can visit, which is about twenty minutes from her house, which says um, you're basically as far from the sea as you can possibly be right now, <laughs> which is the most disappointing stone i've ever read in my life <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine yeah uh yeah no Oxford, uh yeah grew up there mum and dad live there um but I, I i love it i don't know um i think surfing's like being 
I think I'm getting to a place now where just being physically active is, is important. And I, I found other ways of doing that other than surfing. So running, like I love running. It's so much fun. It's weird to say I hated it. And you know, when you're unfit and you go for those first few runs and your body's just screaming, you think this is awful. But you know, when you're a little yeah. bit, you can go out and you know, you can like, you can run trails and you can run paths and you can run all the byways and stuff and you can get in the countryside. I do, I do love that. So there, you know, if, were we to end up back there, I could, there's, there's ways of, of staying fit. And, um, yeah, ho- hopefully one day come back. Yeah. Oh, man, well, that'd be cool. Well, look, I just um, kind of blown away, man, by your efforts and what you've done. It's a it's a it's a humongous thing and you should be stupidly proud of what you've done. Um, I just want to say thanks so much for your time um, and keep keep rocking and keep doing what you're doing. And when you do come back or actually I might just make a sneaky road trip to Elands Bay and come and say hi to you if that's OK. <laughs> I would definitely recommend coming out to Elands Bay. It's like it is an open invite, honestly. Like I do say this to people, come up. But if you want to come up, that we have we have spare beds um, and lots of uncrowded beaches. So I would, yeah, you're more than welcome. Sounds sounds mega, um, Tim Conibear. Thank you so much for your time, um, and I, re- I really do hope hope that we can uh, cross paths one day because you're uh, you're a full time dude, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> That's very kind. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, thank you very much for having me on, and. Um, yeah, and, and thanks to Will and Lynn at Ticket to Ride. You know they've 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 been huge supporters of Ways for Change all the way through, and, and Guy who's put this together. So um, yeah, big shout out to them. And uh, actually, I should also say, like, it's um, I think one thing that doesn't always come across on the on the Ways for Change media that goes out is just the the amazing team that we've got in South Africa that makes everything happen. So um, you know, they, especially with the lockdown that's going on, they've they've been doing amazing things to keep people connected to the service and all the kids and families and stuff. And I think. Yeah, just a big shout out to all of the guys in the office and the support hubs and the, and the sites around South Africa. I think they're doing fantastic work and it's just nice to recognise that you know they are the beating heart of, of what we do now and it's yeah nice for them to be recognised as well. Awesome. Good on you, man. Well, thanks again and um, stay safe and we'll hopefully see you soon. Yeah, enjoy Bournemouth. I hope there's some, hope there's some swell coming your way. I think it's summer, so you're going in for a lifelong flat spell. Yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Tim. (laughs) Cheers. See you later.